All right, we are in part one of our Easter series. So this will be kind of short, the three weeks, uh, four parts, because we have Good Friday. As we're going to look at, here's Jesus executing kind of what I call his end game. All right, we're coming up on the pivotal event in human history when God came, became a man, and dies for man's sin. So this is the piv- coming up on the pivotal point of human history, and as Jesus gets ready for this point, one of the things that oftentimes I have found, I grew up in this, grew up in the Bible, and uh, grew up in church, but a lot of times as I went through this, as I learned it, there's almost just a sense of, well, it's just the story, this is just what happens, and I missed or hadn't paid attention to how much Jesus is communicating in word and deed his plan, and we're going to see some of that today of this as God, as Jesus is kind of executing a very deliberate endgame. But we're going to start with a discussion question, all right? Kevin already read the passage to us, and so let's set up this question because verse 8, and so if you have your Bible, verse 8, the disciples said to him, listen, the Jews are trying to kill you just now, and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What does he mean? This would be the interactive portion of our program. So he's talking about himself as the light. Jesus calls himself the light of the world. All right. What does he, I mean, so to me, it's a weird response. Why are you going up there? They're going to kill you. And he says, if you walk in the light, you will not stumble. If you walk in the dark, you will. Okay. What, is, what does that mean? Why is that there? Like we, I have always breezed over that part because it didn't quite make sense. It just, it's not part of the story. You just kind of zip through. But it is. So what does it mean? Don't be afraid, Don't be afraid of of what's going to happen, what the world will do. He's going to take care of it. All right, he, think, he, he apparently thinks they're in the dark. Is it maybe an in, in, insinuation here that they're, they're kind of in the dark? They need, the they need to see the light, which, of course, is him. I saw the light. I saw. What's that? The light exposes the darkness. I mean, light and darkness is not a weird... I mean, he talks about the light a lot, so that's not like a weird thing for him to talk about. It just seems weird in the, in the moment, right? And other thoughts, what, what does this mean? Oops, sorry, didn't make it, make it go away. Other thoughts, why does he say this in the middle of this? Any thoughts? Okay, he's walking with the Lord. He's walking with the Lord. He's preparing them. He knows what's going to happen. They didn't. He's trying to wake them up. I like that thought. Let's, we'll come back to this. I just, see, I'm trying to get you guys to just not sit there the whole time and stare at me weird. So, you know, a little bit of discussion. All right, well, let's, let's, let's work our way to it by going through this passage together. So we start with verse 4. I love it, verse 4. Talk about spoiler alert. In verse 4, Jesus gives away the ending, and it's important. Verse 4, because they say, the, the news comes, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus says in verse 4, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not going to end in death. There's the ending. When this is all over, Lazarus won't be dead. Now, at this point, the disciples don't realize that that's revealing the twist, all right? Because the next part of the story, Lazarus is going to die. 
So it seems like Jesus got it wrong. But notice what he said. He goes, when it's over, this will not end in death. The death will be in the middle. And then at the end, we won't have death again. So he says, he gives away the ending. Now, an important note to this question that we just looked at, verse 7 and 8, he says, well, we're going to go to where they live. Well, they live in Judea, outside of Jerusalem, which is one district or province. He has been, right now, when the story is happening at the beginning, he's in Galilee, which is a different province. They have different political leadership, so different leadership under Rome, and it has different a different characteristic, Jewishly speaking, because the Pharisees are concentrated around Jerusalem. So in the Judean district, you have a very strong uh, Pharisee presence. Their influence is great. In Galilee, there are Pharisees around because there are Pharisees everywhere, but they are not a major presence and therefore a major force. The Roman leadership in Judea around Jerusalem is jumpy because Jerusalem tends to be where bad things happen, because there's a lot of people there, so you have civil unrest. And Rome's dictate is, keep a lid on it, keep things calm. So the Roman leaders are always a little edgy, because they could get in trouble with their bosses if things erupt, and things tend to erupt. It's an unstable area. So Jesus is in a safe place where things are pretty stable, because the Pharisees who hate him don't have a big presence there, and the jumpy the jumpy Roman officials aren't as jumpy because it's a calm area. So he says, let's go back there. And they're like, are you kidding? That's a bad move. You shouldn't do that because that's where you're going to get killed. That's stepping back into that area is a trigger. He says in verses 11 through 15, he says, but he's got a bigger purpose. In 9 and 10, first he says what we just discussed and he says, what does he say? He goes, if you're in the light, you don't bump into things because you can see the light of this world. And we immediately hyper-spiritualize that. The light of the world is Jesus. But what he means is, if you're in the sunshine, you can see things. That's just what he said. He sees the light of this world. That's another way of saying the sun. All right. In other words, during the day, you can see where you're going. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, he is, you know, he's using double language here because he's using a metaphor to say, and it's what you guys said, he goes, I know what I'm doing. Because their question was, do you know what you're doing? And he goes, yeah. If you're in the light, you can see where you're going. You don't just bump into things. He's not about to blunder into something. He says in verse 11 through 15, he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. And they're like, oh, well, and the, the disciples are a little dense. They go, oh, well, if he's sleeping, maybe you should just let him sleep, because if he's sick, you know, sleep is good for you. And so Jesus says in 15, uh, 14, he goes, no, he's dead. Okay, guys, try to keep up. He's, he's, he's dead, Jim, all right? Verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. What? so that you may believe, but let's go. And Thomas is like, all right, well, he's going to go do something stupid. If he's going to jump off the building, we'll jump off with him. That's what he says in verse 16. Let's go and die with him. So Jesus goes, and so then the next whole part, well, then, so then Martha shows up. Martha goes out to meet him, and Martha has a question. 
Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. This is Martha. This is Martha asking Jesus to fix the situation. He is ask, she's asking for, notice I say resuscitation. Now, there's a weird conversation here that doesn't make much sense to us because we read it with our understanding of the situation. So when you hear resurrection, you think Jesus' resurrection and Lazarus. But neither of those have happened yet. So you can't think that, because that's what not, Martha's not thinking that. Martha has not seen resurrection, but Martha knows what resurrection is. Resurrection is what happens at the end of time when the final kingdom comes and there's a resurrection. So when you say resurrection, she doesn't think what could happen now. She thinks what happened at the end. Because Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know that resurrection's on the last day. So she's asking him to bring Lazarus back, but she's not thinking of that in terms of resurrection. And your brain seizes when I say that. You're like, what? So she wanted him to bring Lazarus back from the dead, but not resurrect him? Huh? Well, no, it's, it's her understanding of resurrection was this final act. And she goes, I don't want to wait for that. Couldn't you just like make him better now? Because he's got a really bad case of deadness and you're good at healing, because he'd done that before, right? You know, kids had died, different ones, and he brought them back. But they kind of saw it as just fixing the medical issue there of the medical issue was so severe that they're dead, but Jesus could heal them from being dead. But resurrection was something different. That was something that was going to happen later. And so Martha's got kind of this weird different sense. And that's why she has a weird response where she says, even now I know you can do something. He says, well, he'll rise again. She goes, yeah, 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 I know about the resurrection. In other words, I'm not talking about that. She's talking about what I called resuscitation. And Jesus says, no, this is bigger than this. I'm doing something bigger. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I'm talking about something bigger than what you're talking about. You're just talking about getting your brother back today. You're talking about fixing your immediate problem of he got so sick he died. I'm talking about a change in understanding how life works. Do you believe this? And she doesn't. She, get, she does get it, sort of. She says, I know you're Messiah. I do understand that you're Messiah. And then goes and he talks to Mary, and then he does the act and he resurrects Jesus. He resurrects Lazarus. And he brings Lazarus out, and he's okay. They unwrap him. And then in verse 45, through the end of the chapter, or through 53, 45 through 53, we're not going to read all of that, but it's important to understand as part of the story here because it goes with what we started with. His disciples said, this is a bad idea because you're stepping into where they want to kill you. Verse 45, therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees, again, he's in their territory, and told them the things which Jesus had done. Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And then Caiaphas says, you know what? He needs to die. 
and it's better for one man to die for the nation. And John goes, and he had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> but this is important because this is, Jesus has said, this is, I'm doing this on purpose. This is not an unexpected consequence of his actions. It's deliberate as he triggers the response that will kill him. He is setting it up. And then, because it's not time yet, what does it do? It says, so verse 53, from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim. And he stayed, and there he stayed with his disciples. So then Jesus is like, all right, now I've got to back off for a bit. Why? Because it's not time to die. So he's got them nice and triggered. They're ready to kill him, but it's not ready to die yet. So he, he withdraws, and that's important. He withdraws because they're trying to kill him. What's he, what's he going to do next? Next week. He's going to come back in a big, flashy way. Which is, that's our next week's sermon, so we'll, we'll stop there. Because he's going to come back and finish provoking them, but everything carefully timed. So, Let's go back to our discussion. So in verses 9 and 10, Jesus is pointing out that he sees the situation and knows the path. Because their question is, do you know what you're doing? He says, well, let's go. And they go, really? You're going back? That's stupid. They're trying to kill you. Why would you go back? Do you know what you're doing? And his response is, aren't there 12 hours in a day? When the sun's out, you can see where you're going. If you're walking in the light, you don't bump into things, but if you're in the dark, then you bump into things, then you trip. And he's saying, I know exactly what I'm doing. Jesus knows what he's doing. It's all the rest of them that don't. In fact, if you go through this story, Jesus is the only one who can see the plan. The rest of them don't see it because they are focused on the small, the immediate, and the personal. The disciples can't see the plan. They're like, why would you go back? That's not a wise move because there is an immediate danger. And you hear how dumb they think it is because when he, I mean, the, he's the teacher, so they're going to follow him. So he says, let's go. And they go, okay, this is stupid. We're going to die. But here we go. I mean, that's what he says, right? Let us go and die with him. They're resigned. They're like, this is dumb. This is a bad move. And then bumps into Martha and Martha's like, you should have been here. If only you'd been here, where were you? Because they are focused. He's, she's like, hey, he died. You weren't here. You messed up. The disciples are like, you're messing up. Jesus says, if you're in the day, you don't mess up. You don't trip into life. You're not stumbling over things because you can see where you're going. I see where I'm going. And he is trying to tell them, not, it's not, like it's not code. We read it, we go, man, that's some sort of enigmatic saying. No, it's not. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. I'm not making a mistake. I am not tripping into a situation that I am not prepared for. You said, do you know what you're doing? Yes, I can see. It's really clear. So here's our discussion question. You got to do better. How often do we end up with our very, end up with our very small purposes focused on our immediate concerns every day talk to me about this 
can't see the big picture because you're focused on something happens. And that's all you can see. Well, there is somebody bigger than us, but that's not usually... What are, what are your observations on this? That we end up with our purposes. What some of the purposes that capture us? Ooh, I'm going to tell... She said car breaks down. I'm going to tell a story about that in a little bit. Huh? Health. Worry about our health. Get sick. Hmm? Finances. Woo-hoo. Children. Oh, oh. I'm with you. All of our trials and tribulations. Gas prices. Oh, boom, boom, boom. Oh, we're going to get into current events now. Think about, now, I, I, I used some words here, small purposes. What was the small thing that threw off everybody here in the story? What was the small thing? This isn't the hard part. What was the small, the, what was the small thing? I'm putting it in quotes. The death of a loved one, which is usually what's one of the biggest things we cope with, right? I mean, their brother has died. That's a big moment. I mean, everyone, when death comes, it stops our world. We come to a screeching halt because it's so disruptive. So it's a small thing, but it's not a, it's not a small. I mean, they lost their brother. It's not like they had a bad day. So how is it that these things... Why, why do I call that a small purpose? Because, again, maybe we can too easily be uncharitable here. Right. Right. When he was sick, he should have gone. But now he's dead. You might as well take care of yourself. Right. Nothing you can do now. They knew they had to, they, they knew, she says, I know you're Messiah, but it's not what they're thinking about. And so the immediate replaces, you, I do believe, but, right? Other? Yeah, well, my brother's, that's a great one, my, but he's still dead. I know you're the Messiah, but my brother's dead. Personal loss. So. Right, it, right. They're not even really thinking about him as much as them. It, it, they're they're hurting. Which there's another whole sermon that I would love to do but can't do because we don't have time of the part where how they're reacting and how Jesus reacts. That's another whole sermon. I got really excited about it, but we can only do so much. Yes, again. It's what? Ah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fallen planet. We're here, fallen planet stuff will happen. So I've been working ahead trying to get, well, I'm not last minute, trying to get ahead so I have time to do more things because I have a lot to do that I'm not getting done. So I'm trying to work ahead. So I got the sermon done on Monday. And on Tuesday, we had a catastrophic car incident that made me realize that I need to replace my vehicle, which I just don't like to, oh, it's expensive. And I'm like, oh, why is this happening? And God's like, so that sermon you wrote yesterday, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I thought you didn't make me live them until after I'd preached them. What are we doing this a week early now? Because there's the question, suddenly, if you had been here, if you had been here, Lord, 
it wouldn't have happened. Now, it was a pretty fi uh, important financial moment in our life. In that, you know, it's a serious thing. But I'm immediately like, oh, why is this happening now? I'm, uh, you know, oh. And I'm like, That's, there it is. And it, it was not insignificant to my life. But suddenly, I'm distracted by my small purposes. I've got, it's financial, it's automotive, and my life has been affected, and I'm like, and Lord, where are you? And I wasn't like questioning my faith. Again, I know, I'm not forgetting. But in the moment, all I can think about is my purpose, which is to not spend all my money and to have a vehicle that works. And suddenly I'm having an issue. Do we look at things in light of what he is doing. And, and that's the trick with an eye towards what he is doing. So the thing is, and this is what, as I was studying this, this blew me away. And so look with me, because this is something. Because, again, they, they haven't suffered a minor setback. It's one of the biggest things that happen in our lives, the loss of a loved one. And yet, all the way through here, what I'd missed, because we say, well, God has his own purpose, but his purposes are unknowable, you know, so we don't always know what God's doing. Is that true? No. Because in the story, look at what God says. Let's go through it. Verse 4. This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. He goes, this story will not end in death, but I'll tell you why the story is happening. It's to glorify God, glorify Jesus. Verse 11, then he said, then he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep so that I may awaken him. Verse 15, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. So that you may believe. Verse 26, talking to Martha, I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 42, praying, I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. Six times in the story, he explains the purpose. The purposes of God are unknowable. He's like, no, I told you. The whole purpose of this is not Lazarus. It's that you would believe me. He's, why is this so important and why now? Because he's about to die. And they're going to be freaked out. And he's like, and I'm trying to show you what I'm doing. I am trying to prepare you for the biggest moment in human history where I reverse death for all of you if you'll trust me. And I'm about to defeat death personally by coming back. Do you believe me? And they're like, oh, yeah, I believe you. No, no, no. He goes, well, I'm going to try to show you what I'm doing. We're going to do a preview. I'm going to demonstrate who I am. And all the way through here, he says, there's a reason this is happening. I'm doing this so that you'll believe. And, and, and what's Martha? Well, yeah, that's nice, but my brother's dead. 
I mean, Jesus, you're awesome, but my brother's dead. And all she can see is that. And he's like, but, do you, but Martha, but do you believe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's another whole sermon there we can't do. This time, I'll do it later. God's purpose and central to our lives in him is to spread the word, to declare. To seek and to save, he said, I've come to seek and to save to declare the purposes. God's goal is to make himself known, that you would believe. The whole Bible, what does it say? These things were written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing, you would have life through his name. God's purpose is that you would believe and spread that. So now when I encounter the little moments of my life, which to me are not little at all, it's like, but what's the purpose? God says, I told you the purpose. To make me known. It made for interesting conversations with, between him and I on Tuesday when I'm like, oh, I gotta go car shopping. Why is this happening? God's like, you know, you just put it in your notes. Huh. But Lord, I don't want to think about your plan because I'm busy, th- ah, there it is, right? I'm busy focused on mine. My little plan to buy another used car that will die as well. I mean, Lazarus, you you met him? No, because he died again. (laughs) That was a very temporary thing that happened there. Lazarus is dead. Jesus wasn't just, oh, let's bring him back for a little while longer. That's a very small purpose. And Jesus says, that's not my purpose. My purpose isn't just that you can get your brother back for a little while longer. My purpose is that you would believe in something that will change your life, not change your immediate circumstances. Walk in the light, and you won't keep bumping into things. I forget this. So the question for us, does this purpose guide you and guide us as a group? Because that's where, again, I've grown up with this story. I learned this story as a child. And the one part that wasn't ever really paid attention to in the story was verses 9 and 10. Because it's, such a, it's like he was having takeout Chinese while they were talking, and we got to the fortune cookie there. Because it almost sounds like a non sequitur. Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. So when I tripped over my car on Monday and Tuesday, God's like, are you stumbling? Yeah. Are you in the light? Oh because he has a purpose. And this time, I think part of the purpose was, Ira, now your sermon on Sunday has a really good illustration. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) I'm so thankful. (sighs) Rejoice the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Yeah, but that, what is his purpose? And how often does that purpose guide me? How often that when I run into those moments where I say, Lord, if you had been here, and he's like, "I, I am, I know what's happening. Are you in the light? Or are you stumbling through life because you keep tripping over everything in it? And we all have those moments where you, you hit something in life, and that's why I asked you. And you guys say, oh, you know, financial or illness or something, you get that thing and you're like, whoa, and it just stops you. You nail your shins on it because you didn't see it coming. Well, did you, do you stumble? Does it take you out? Or do you say, oh, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but you do. Instead of being Martha, if you had been here, Jesus says, no, I know what I'm doing. 
I know what I'm doing. Do you trust me? And that's why I love it, because he says to Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And that's what I, as I suddenly found myself worrying, I couldn't escape his question. He says, if you walk in the light, you won't stumble. Do you believe this? And I'm like, boy, that is the question, isn't it, Lord? That is the question. Do I believe this? Is that how I govern my life? Is that how I understand as I walk through this fallen world that there's a plan? And I don't know it, but he has told me what it is, that I might make him known. And so whatever, so my car has a problem. Why? So that I may make him known. I have a health, a negative health outcome. Why? So that I may make him known. And he says to me, do you believe this? Ouch. Do you believe this? And see, I don't think it, rejoice doesn't mean be happy. Rejoice doesn't mean be happy. But it means I'm not, I'm not falling over this. Because he knows what he's doing. So the last point is, God loves you. But not only you. Because part of the problem is, is I say, God loves me. If God, if you loved me, my brother would not have died. And he said, but there's a bigger purpose. And that's why we needed to look all the way through here. He says, yes, I know Lazarus has died, but that's not the point. The point is, do you know me? Because if I just think God loves me, then I'm like, well, then the best thing for me to love me is to do whatever works for me. But he says, but Ira, I don't just love you. I also love everyone else. And so your job is going to be to work with me on that. And so my love is not always going to take you out of circumstances that can glorify me. Because God loves me, but he doesn't love only me. He loves you too. So he says, all right, if you've got to have a negative outcome so that people will know, that's my goal. I want people to know. Because you'll be fine. Even if you die, you'll live. That's what he said to Martha, right? If you trust me, even if you die, you'll live. What are you afraid of? Do you trust me? Because Jesus loves you, but he doesn't love only you. And you've been called to the purpose of glorifying God. And so he's suddenly, you're, he's going to walk you through this world, and he has a purpose, and he has a plan, and some days you're going to say, but if you'd been here, and you'll say, I am. I'm in the light. Are you in the light? Do you trust me? Let's pray. Father, this is really hard for us. This is very real because we say we believe you and we, we, we mean to, we try to, but then when we hit these moments in our life, we trip and we fall. We didn't see it coming. And we walk through this world and we're oftentimes in the dark because we have a plan and it's disrupted. And death comes unexpectedly and illness comes unexpectedly and financial reversals come unexpectedly and war comes unexpectedly, turmoil. So many things come. And you told us that if we're in the light, we will not stumble and fall. But Lord, we frequently do because we don't believe you. And so we don't give you the glory. We don't proclaim your excellencies. We proclaim our losses. So Lord, help us with this as we see you trying to help us understand the bigger picture. That you love us and that you are trying to reach the world. And that the day will come when all this will be over. But until that time, we need to trust you because you know the plan. And you are never operating in the dark. And that which surprises us never surprises you. 
Do we trust you? And Lord, for all of us, the answer is not like we should. Help us in our unbelief. May we look to your purposes and trust your plan. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.